0: They were doing a relay team and they wanted somebody who wasn't afraid to run at night. So a couple of beers and a bunch of leveraging text later, I reluctantly agreed to do it.
1: Diggs Radio episode six hundred and thirty-eight starts in three, two. <laughs> Hey guys! Uh, real quick, before we dive into today's episode, just want to uh, let you know that I have a few a few new openings available for some new athletes to work with. Uh, I have several openings actually at the one to one level, and uh, a couple three openings available currently at the coterie level. Um, in both cases, as uh, you might know, but maybe not, uh, it's still a, a completely custom plan. It, it's all created towards you and what you need uh, to help you get closer to your running goals. And you know if if As the the fall racing season is starting to wind down, you think, well, maybe maybe I'll wait until the spring, or at least until after the new year, to start working with you, Diz, because you know I don't have any races coming up until you know till we really get into 2019. Um, If that's if that's your prerogative, that's fine. But I would just like to uh, you know let you know or remind you that kind of after racing season gets over, that's that's kind of an important time, you know, in, in in your growth and evolution as a runner to really. Really firm up that foundation and get everything in a, in in line and ready to go, so that when it is time to really start focusing in on whatever that next race might be, you've got that firm foundation upon which to build. So you know if you can do that on your own, which really isn't that difficult, it's run it's run easy most of the time, a couple of hard workouts, but mostly kind of getting that base built up, those easy miles. Uh, if you can do that on your own, great. Do what you got to do, and when you're when you're ready, you know after the new year or whatever, let me know. But uh, if you need a little help, need a little accountability. Uh, want some guidance as far as building upon 2018 or maybe 2018 has been a dumpster fire for you and you want to make 2019 a better year, let's get started now. Let's not wait until the new year. Let's get going. Uh, Like I said, got a handful of coaching spots available at the one-to-one level and a couple three available at the Coterie level. Um, All the details of both levels can be found on the website. Disruns.com slash coaching is the main coaching page. And near the bottom of that page, there's a link to both the Coterie page and the one-to-one page. uh, So you can kind of way the differences, the pros, the cons, the price points are all there. Uh, and if you want to talk to any of my clients, uh, my current athletes that I've, I'm working with, or even some of the athletes that uh, have, have, we've parted ways for various reasons, just search uh, the hashtag DizRunners, D-I-Z-R-U-N-N-E-R-S, on Instagram or Twitter, and, uh, or ask about it in the, in the Facebook group. Cause there's a, you know, most of the, most of my athletes are in the Facebook group as well. Um, and they'll, they'll tell you, they'll tell you what their experience is. I think hopefully most of them are good. Uh, a, a few folks or things didn't quite work out like they had anticipated, but I'm not worried about, about anybody bad mouth me or anything like that. I want you to get your, on, their honest opinion, their honest feedback and uh, help you to make the choices right for you. So check it out. And if you have any questions for me, just let me know. On at dizruns gmail.com whatever the case might be. Uh, but if you want to get started with some coaching now, as opposed to waiting until 2019, there are some openings available. Um, and and you know once they're full, then then not taking on anybody new at the, until something else opens up. So if you want to get in, get in. If not, uh, start building that base and get yourself ready for the new year. But uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and now dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, Uh, today I'm going a few easy miles with a guy that is definitely comfortable going much more than just a few easy miles. He's an ultra runner through and through, also a triathlete, and uh, that's kind of no matter what Mother Nature throws at him as he's uh, living up north in the... uh, Near Nearer the tundra than some of the other tundra references I make, but up in, up in Canada, uh, dealing with already cold and winter type of weather, or getting to be winter type weather sooner rather than later. Uh, he's also a fellow part of the uh, Orange Mud Dirt Unit. He's a member of the Big Sexy Racing Team, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to getting to know him a little bit more today as well. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome Mr. Steve Page to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Steve. Really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate being here.
1: Yeah, definitely looking looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to check out more of what Steve's got going on and, and follow along with some of his adventures and, and uh, some photos and things like that, probably the best place is on the Instagram. The handle there is at ultrasrunning, U-L-T-R-A-S running. U-L-T-R-A-S running. Uh, all one word, all jammed together there. Uh, and as per usual, we'll have that linked up in the show notes today, and as well as anything else we talk about that makes sense to link to, and uh, summaries, and all that good stuff. Disruns.com slash 638 is the link that'll take you to the show notes. If you want to connect with Steve further, and, and you're out on the go and can't just dial up Instagram right now and give him a follow, uh, you can find that information. Disruns.com slash 638. So, Steve, the way we start off each episode of the show uh, is with a, a very simple question that, for some folks... Has a pretty straightforward and, and easy to come by answer, and for some folks it's a, it's a little bit harder to to narrow it down. And uh, if I had to to um, stereotype, I'd say that the longer the distances you tend to run, the more you get into ultra territory and things like that. The, the harder it can be to narrow it down. But uh, I'm still just going to throw it out at you and, and and let you see where you take it. And it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Oh uh, any any
0: kind of ultra. I mean, I'll I'll just I'll say 50k for for funsies but uh for me i i don't know why it seems shorter distance aren't really all that enjoyable or comfortable it takes me a good 10k before i actually feel like i'm enjoying the run and my lungs have settled down and my legs are dialed in so i like the longer stuff plus i'm not all that fast so (laughs) 5ks aren't my jam
1: Right, right. Oh, you, you get no, you'll get no argument and pushback from me about the 5K being not the most enjoyable distance to race. Although, you know, to each their own. And it's one of the beautiful things about running is that uh, there's no, there's no shortage of options. And especially once you start getting into the, the, the ultra distance stuff, you you can have all kinds of, of, variables and variations even within the same type of distances. And of course, there's always, always farther. How you know, you, you, you like, if you mentioned the 50K as, as a good one, what's, what's the farthest that you've gone?
0: I've done some 100 mile races um, and have more coming up. I mean, my my ultimate goal, uh, it's kind of a five year plan is to uh, to do the Iditarod thousand mile. So I'm working on my qualification races starting this February. So that that's a whole different ballgame for me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that thousand mile all right so let, I, I I admittedly uh have no interest in, in uh in running something like that and and really don't know much about it can you it, it, I, I can't imagine that it's a straight shot but uh you know what what does what what is the uh you know, what is the the race in you know if we had to boil it down I mean thousand miles is it a stage race is it just as fast as you can go or like how does how does that that whole thing shake out
0: as fast as you can go, um, you're pulling a polk sled, so it, it's the same trail that the Iditarod dog sled races on. Um, but you start a week ahead of them, and usually somewhere about day ten, that's when the dogs just you. blow past you <laughs> and, and right. wave and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean there there are legs to it per se, more of a, a check-in point versus a stage. So you can you can sleep wherever, sleep on the side of the road um, or the trail. Then certain places will just kind of open up and welcome you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, schools along the way, maintenance garages, that sort of thing. Um, but basically, you're self-supported. Um, you're you're allowed some drop bags or drop boxes to ship ahead for food. And with that race, if you happen to come across a village. Uh, you're more than welcome to buy something, Mm. but, uh, but it's basically you, the trail and, uh, and some thought time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I guess so. Uh, I mean, gosh, how long does it typically take folks to to finish that type of thing? I mean, if 10 days, the dogs are are blown by you. How much longer do you have after the 10 day mark usually?
0: Um, well, it hasn't been a, a high finishing rate race, right? (laughs) Um, Seems like most of the guys who are uh, who are fairly competent at it, you're looking uh, at about twenty nine days. Wow. So, yeah, you know it's it, it's hard to wrap your head around, especially the distance. You know, even say a hundred mile between summer and winter. I have a hundred mile or Arctic race uh, in the Yukon in February, and a hundred mile. I'm expecting somewhere around. Uh, 40 to 50 hours
1: mm-hmm.
0: now during the summer you'd be dnf'd long before right that. right so just that extra time of, of pulling all your own gear that sort of thing mm-hmm. it uh it's different it's a different ball of wax
1: yeah i i uh i, I imagine I, I i wow yeah it's it's a it's a crazy thing to 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 even think about let alone plan for it or, or you know prepare for it something to to, to try to tackle what, what was the uh the seed that got planted to to think that that would be a a fun goal to chase down 29, 29 days, hopefully assuming that you stay in it and, and make it all the way in, you know, 29, 30, 31 days, something like that Uh, in the wintertime, you know, it's not like it's in the summertime, like you said. So uh, what was, what was the, the, the the impetus for wanting to put that on the list of of races to potentially run?
0: Uh, It's a culmination of things. Um, The Iditarod race has always been a huge fascination of mine. Um, but living in the city, that sort of thing, I've never been a dog sled owner, dog sled guy. I've been out a few times, but, uh, you know, that's a whole different, different lifestyle and a whole different scenario. Um, I seem to be more successful running in winter. I don't know why I just, I like cold weather. It seems to like me. So that definitely helps out a lot. And it's, it's the exploration of it. You know, I'm the annoying guy when you run that stops and takes photos. <laughs> I, I can I can be doing a PR and then suddenly get lost in in stream photos and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know that that kind of allows for it. It's I like the adventure side of it, not necessarily just the pace.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, wow, I, I I could probably keep talking about this. I did a road race for for. <laughs> for most of the rest of of our time today, but uh, th- there's enough other things to to get onto as well. But uh, w- one last, at least for now, at least I'm not going to promise this will be the last question. But one last question on on the You mentioned kind of in that that qualification process to to get into the race. What what all does that entail?
0: Uh, so there there's they they changed it a little bit this year because um, there's now. The ITI, Iditarod Trail Invitational, that's the abbreviation. I believe it's the 150, which is the first time they've ever had it. So essentially, you have to do 200-mile races. There are only certain races that you can do, like the Arrowhead, the Yukon, Mm -hmm. uh, Active Epica, to qualify for the, I believe it's the 340-mile Iditarod. Once you complete the 340-mile, then you qualify to be entered into the 1,000-mile. So, you know, safety experience reasons all that sort of stuff, you have to you have to work your way up, which which I'm totally fine with. So that's that's kind of the 5-year plan, hit my 40th birthday, do the 1000 miler. That's that's the dream.
1: Wow. Yeah. And and you it, it, you're right. It does make a lot of sense logically and just from the, the the safety and experience factor of like let's not throw people let's not allow people to jump right into the deep end. Like start start a little bit smaller. Still big, but a little bit, you know, obviously much more manageable build your way up, get that experience, learn how to handle the the elements a bit more, I'm sure, is is part of it as well, uh, before you're out there for a month on your own, uh, dealing with everything that uh, the wintertime can throw at you up there.
0: Well, yeah, and uh, notably, a lot of the races are actually not North American. Most of the races are European. Um, So it's kind of a, a travel adventure holiday scenario for them. But, you know, depending where they're from, they don't ever experience this. You know, right. there was, uh, there was the issue at the Yukon last year with the hypothermic gentleman who they found up the tree. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of scenario, I think it's, it's a lot like the Everest type of thing where you don't know how you're going to react till you get mm, there.
1: Right. Right.
0: So uh, I think they need to try to mitigate that as much as possible because most of it is self-rescue.
1: Yeah. 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 You got to be able to take care of yourself out there. That's, that is... Uh, no, no doubt about it. Um, how'd you, how'd you get into it? You had just kind of, like I said, kind of shifting gears a little bit, although who knows, it may, may circle back to, to the idea it at some point, but how'd you get into running in general? Is that something that's always been, been part of your life or, or how'd you, uh, kind of get, uh, that first taste of the sport?
0: Uh, well, it, has gone through phases. Uh, when I was much, much younger, I was on the cross country race team. Mm. Um, but that kind of waned. I, I played soccer, high level soccer for years and years and years. Um, Got into the triathlon thing, which was awesome. Uh, Kind of burnt out a little bit, stopped doing that, and I was strictly doing uh, hiking, ice climbing, that sort of scenario. And then two years ago, a family of mine were doing the Sinister Seven hundred miler which is a a pretty aggressive one. They were doing a relay team, and they wanted somebody who wasn't afraid to run at night. Mm. So... A couple of beers and a bunch of <laughs> leveraging tax later, I reluctantly agreed to do it, and that was that was around Christmas time, so that gave me basically till July to start running again
1: and, gotcha. that's, and that was kind of how it took off saying, and, then, and then it's it's gone from there um, with with that you know not as much time you know it's not not like you've been doing these longer distance. If, if I'm hearing you correctly, not like you're doing these long distance races for decades at this point. Sounds to me like a pretty quick acceleration from not really doing much running to getting uh, kind of peer pressured, family pressured back into the sport a little bit to uh, getting into to ultras and, and setting the sights on maybe doing the Iditarod race. Uh, seems like a pretty rapid progression up the, the distance ladder to me.
0: Brutal life lessons. <laughs> brutal, brutal life lessons. Um, you know, the biggest thing that, that I learned is just to admit, not knowing, um, you know, uh, probably three, four months ago, I actually aligned myself and hired a running coach, Mm. which has made a dramatic difference. Um, you know, it's tough getting lost in, in magazines, things like that books, you know, I'm the type of guy that goes all in Mm -hmm. when, when I get hooked on things and, you know, there's so many contradictory things I I was trying everything out on the trail I've had some some pretty epic blow-ups and some some fun successes so it's it's been a steep learning curve
1: yeah yeah I'm sure going going that crazy um, that quickly I guess uh, up the up the ladder uh, just just because I'm curious as, as a coach you know what was it that, that uh, kind of put you over the top to to make the investment and and start working with somebody to, to kind of prevent you from having to do all that research and, and, and testing out on your own and have somebody that you can kind of rely on to help guide you along this process?
0: I I guess it just came down to, uh, to being overwhelmed with, with info. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a little type A I've got my triathlon stuff pretty dialed in. So I, I know what training works for me. Um, I just found, I couldn't quite get to that dialed in level with my running and I'd have an amazing day. And then the next day my legs didn't want to move.
2: Mm.
0: And I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I, I tried nutrition stuff, all that sort of thing. So finally, uh, you know, wanting to be successful and having the larger goal in a fairly tight timeline. I know five years seems long, but when you have to qualify year after year, it really isn't.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I just figured I, I'd eat some humble pie, you know, lay my cards out on the table and, uh, and align myself with somebody who was strong enough to tell me that I can't race every
1: weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. What's been, what's been the biggest benefit of having a coach?
0: Uh, I, I think uh, to be honest, being held back, I love to race. If, if I could, I'd probably do a triathlon every Sunday and a 50 K every Saturday. <laughs> I, I love the community. I love the feeling. I love the people so i have basically kind of shifted myself and started volunteering a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it kind of curves my my race edge a little bit. I still get the butterfly feeling at the start line, even though I'm not actually racing <laughs> you know i'm I'm volunteering, but I'm at the porter potty looking at my watch. Right. you know should I go now? And then I have to tell myself, <laughs> it doesn't matter. let the race let be the races right
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: so i i I love the racing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's just nothing quite like the, the start of, of, a of a race, whether it's, you know, I've, I've, I've done mostly road racing, a uh, little bit of, of trail and, 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 ultra stuff, although I'll be adding to my, my ultra tally here in, in the next few months. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's just something about being around the start line and being around the finish line at the end too. It's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty, uh, fun, fun experience and, and not much like it out, outside of that, that I've experienced.
0: No, and I I do find the communities are so different, but but really positive at the same time. You know, the triathlon guys are are different than the road runners. Mm. The road runners are different than you know the ultra guys. I I try to volunteer at all right. the different different events, so I, I get a pretty good kick. Now I just don't fit in at any of them. <laughs> uh, I'm this weird hybrid. You know, I'm the guy wearing you know a team tri shirt with with board shorts on and everybody just kind of <laughs> like, looks Who at is me this guy. Yeah. Yeah. How come there's a guy running with a cowboy hat on, you know?
1: Right. Right. Which is in, in some, in some races that would, that wouldn't even, you know, raise a, raise an eyebrow, but in others it's like, what is going on here?
0: Exactly. Or, you know, sweeping a road racing course with a hydration vest on. Sometimes <laughs> I just do it for kicks just to get looks.
1: Right. 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 Um, I feel like I'm, I'm all over the place, but there's so many, so many different areas that, that we can go into and, and things I want to talk to you about. But uh, we've mentioned triathlons a couple of times, and, and, and you know, I mean, this isn't a triathlon show, but it, it's obviously running is a part of, of triathlon as, as well. Um, do you, if, if you if you had to nail it down, do you have a preference between triathlon and, and running?
0: Uh, definitely running, w- yeah. without question. Yeah, uh, you know, ultras all the way. I I love being out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, my younger years, I lived out on a trap line. So I'm used to being alone in the wilderness, out in the cold, that sort of scenario. Um, And totally different goals. Triathlon is all speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find it hard to to appreciate what's around me in a triathlon. I've done some nicer ones, uh, different parts of Alberta, things like that. And you're just so dialed in on racing ahead. It's Mm -hmm. hard to take in the beauty around you.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. What, uh, what distances of triathlons have you done? Half, half and under. Half and under. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm always curious and, and it's, it's, it, maybe it doesn't apply as much with, with the half Ironman distance comparing to, to ultra running, but, uh, I'll still ask it anyway. And if it, if it's not worth, not worth spending any time on, we don't have to, but, um, other than the obvious of, you know, when you, when you get to the running stage of a triathlon, um, you know, you've got however many, hours, depending on the distance of the race, uh, of swimming and biking already underneath you before you get to the running section, running section. Um, but, but what is, what is kind of the difference in, in your mind, or at least, you know, how do you, pre- do you have to prepare differently? Does it, does it prepare about the same to doing, uh, you know, a half marathon at the end of a, of a half Ironman versus doing, you know, say a 50 K or something like that. I mean, you know, d- do those tend to be about Equal when all is said and done with with the swimming and biking versus the the longer running duration, or is are, are they as two different animals as as I think in my mind that they, they they must have to be.
0: I, I find it to be to be a different ball of wax. Your your run is is so aligned and set up by what you're doing on the bike. Mm. Your bike will make your run. If you burn out on the bike and you don't kind of hold back a little bit at the end of your bike, get the nutrition in. As soon as you hop off and start trying to run, I mean, it's it, it's ugly. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a weird thing. The the best way I can equate it to would be to doing something like a, a 50K and then trying to do like a fast PR 10K after, mm, okay. right? your Your legs are running at a different pace. Your mindset's at a different spot, right? You're going from you know, pacing yourself to
1: speed—it's,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's different. It's a lot less comfortable.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Do do you notice? Uh, and this is again kind of one of those fairly common questions that I ask the the sport athletes that I have a chance to talk to. Um, but d- but do you notice when you're when you're really training for a triathlon, or you know when you're when you're focused on getting time in the pool or time in the lake, whatever where, the swimming time on the bike? Uh, do you notice how that that impacts? The, the running and, and the positive benefits of getting that cross training uh, when when you then switch into a just quote unquote, unquote just a, a running race
0: absolutely yeah I'm a huge huge believer and I've benefited massively from cross training um, you know I, I think a large part of my triathlon racing is is a kind of a side effect. I would still be running and swimming uh, probably the same amount Mm -hmm. just to benefit my my long running. You know, swimming definitely helps with my shoulders, upper body. I've noticed a huge difference in comfort and just keeping a pack on, you know, neck tension, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And, uh, you know, I find if, if my legs are kind of feeling off, feeling dead, feeling heavy, just go out on the bike, you know, do 20, 40K, try to enjoy it the next day i find my run is pretty dialed in my legs are flushed out i'm in a pretty happy spot
1: gotcha have you have you been doing the 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 triathlon stuff about the same duration at least in this last iteration of your running of the last couple years or has that been something that's been a newer addition or where, where did that fit in the timeline
0: uh i i did it for a substantial time um and then i got a pretty rough shoulder injury in a race i ended up dislocating my shoulder and tearing up my rotator cuff. So that removed the swim and it also removed, uh, a large portion of the bike. (laughs) Yeah. I just couldn't, I could ride a bike, but I couldn't actually tuck into Mm arrow. Uh, it was just too much tension. So I, I had gone through rehab on that Things Things were pretty good. Then inadvertently got into, uh, to more ice climbing, rock climbing. And then it, It was actually an evolution. One of my teammates at that same Sinister 7 race that got me into uh, ultra running Mm -hmm. was on Big Sexy Racing. And I had actually never met her before. We were just talking, talking about triathlon. And she's like, well, you know, if you want to get back into it, um, you know, I'm on a team. They're pretty good. You know, you seemed to like it before. And after a whole bunch of smack talk and, and calling me out and challenging, I just, I basically jumped Head first into both it's been a twice a day seven day a week thing for me
1: gotcha well with with that with that in mind then because um you know as as a coach myself and it sounds like maybe this is this is a bit of your personality as well lots of runners uh and triathletes as well um are all all about going hard all the time and like you said your, your coach is one of the big things has been like hey you can't race every weekend and and pro- and, and i'm gonna assume and and maybe not Maybe not in your case. I don't know, but you know, a lot of cases that even translates to the workouts where it's like, you know, I, I have to tell athletes that I work with, you know, not all the time because they, they they start to get it after a while, but like you can't just go out there and and kill it every day. You've got to allow your body to recover a little bit. Like an off day isn't the worst. Like an off day is is still a training day. You're not working out necessarily, but your your body is is recovering. Um, so with with that in mind, you know, with, with what you just said, b- basically being all in on on both both sports or both you know both this uh, you know. Both the triathlon and the, the ultra running and, and getting after it most days. How do you how do you try to to stay healthy? Or Do you leave that up to your coach and just do what what, what the coach is telling you to do?
0: Uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely been uh, been something harder for me to deal with. Um, you know, when I started working with my coach, obviously I gave him my my PDF calendar, my Excel calendar of <laughs> races, um, and then we sat down and he pulled out a, a calendar of a pro triathlete that he knows and a pro trail runner. And, and it, it looked a lot, almost like a, like a heart rate monitor, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of peaks and valleys. <clears throat> and then you look at mine and it was looking like a flat line, right? Like somebody had died. It was just race, 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 every three weeks to four weeks. Um, so he, uh, he basically laid it out of if we were going to work together, that wasn't going to happen. So he took out the red pen, which was a little painful, (laughs) cut cut a bunch out, cut a bunch in half. Um, But I've definitely noticed a difference. I've felt a difference mentally. Mm -hmm. Uh, i felt better off. For me, the big struggle is the taper. Right. The taper sucks. I am not (laughs) a happy person. It's not my thing. And then, uh, you know, the few days after not running, after a, a an event i definitely don't enjoy it it's uh yeah it's a, it's a struggle
1: mm-hmm.
0: but i'm i'm trying to suck it
1: up right right well and, and at least recognizing that that's that that's maybe the right path or or trying to to make it happen is is the, certainly the first step um what do, what do you do or what have you found or have you have you found maybe is a better way of of phrasing it uh something that that does help you during those times as far as going for a hike or doing, doing some yoga or doing, doing something, even if you can't be running or cycling or or getting after it hard. Uh, what, what do you, what do you do to try to make it through the the tapers and those, those first few days after a race to, to keep you from going too crazy because you can't do the harder stuff.
0: I completely geek out on my next event. Mm. I I'll pull up, you know, course info, pull up, race Facebook groups, anything like that, and basically live vicariously through other people. Um, and also, I, I do try to analyze my races, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily a performance factor, but a thing of, you know, what what did I need that I didn't have? Mm-hmm. You know, I did a race this past weekend, uh, Friday night, the weather was gorgeous, and I was there with no crew, so I packed my drop bags and didn't have any winter gear until uh, roughly when I'd hit sunset.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll woke up Saturday morning, and there was snow and sleet,
2: oh, Lord. and
0: all the water in all the ditches had frozen solid.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I had you know my technical long-sleeve shirt, a tech short-sleeve shirt underneath that, and that was it. Wow. So that, that was a hard life lesson.
1: How, how, I mean, did, did you, did you keep going? Did you, did you have to pull out? How did, how did that play out?
0: Uh, I ended up pulling out at 40 at K, mm-hmm. um, in the morning, luckily the race was actually selling windbreaker jackets. Mm. So just bought a windbreaker jacket. They had one close enough to a size that I needed. Um, definitely not ideal. I ended up getting really sweaty Pretty fast, mm. and so it, it was a cold, cold, windy, wicked race. That was that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it, like you said, life life lessons, and just just to spell it out for everybody, what what was what was the big takeaway for you from that race that that uh, hopefully you know you can use going forward so you don't find yourself in that that same situation again.
0: Uh, you know, it was a combo. Uh, you know, I, I usually. I'm an overpacker when it comes to drop bags. Everybody will get a kick because I've got the big bag that's like (laughs) duct taped together because there's so much stuff in it. Uh, I tried to dial back on it for this race. And of course, it's the one race that it came to haunt me. Mm. Um, You know, also, like, I I have a weird thing in my head about using a crew. Uh, I hate people waiting around for me. Mm. But that race, that would have changed everything for me. Right. Right. The ability to have some warmer clothes, um, you know, some itchy bad noodles would have been stellar (laughs) about 10 K and 20 K and something hot to drink. Uh, You know, even the aid stations weren't quite prepped at that point for it. none of us saw it coming weather. Right. So it it was a little humble pie, Mm -hmm. but uh, but definitely, definitely won't happen in the future
1: yeah well and that's and that's you know that's that's kind of uh the thing it's It's one thing when something comes out of the blue and surprises you, but it's another thing if the same thing continues to happen to you so yeah you, you learn the lesson and uh next time um you know next time of course you'll be overpacked, and the weather will be beautiful the the day and you you'll have all this stuff you don't need but better to better to have and not need than to need and not have
0: well that that's why I'm all about the Arctic racing. I've got a sled full of everything <laughs> I, I will be the guy with two hundred pounds of gear that that's toting it through just so I can stop and, and have what I need. So that, that'll be an interesting, interesting balance for me to try to achieve there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing, you know, to have it all and not need it, but not have to still be carrying it, you know, have it at the aid stations. Like you said, have a crew that can get you what you need. Um, it, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit different variable when you've got to carry it with you and, and every, every extra pound matters, uh, here and there
0: yeah yeah uh, it's it's gonna be a tough balance um you know luckily I, I have quite a bit of time, and this year we are having some freakishly early snowfalls, mm-hmm. which is fantastic in my books <laughs> so i'll uh, I'll be getting some serious sled training time and uh I'm sure a, as I go, I'll be eliminating stuff and right. trying to geek out on lighter lighter techie gear. Mm-hmm.
1: With, with with that in mind, uh, it, it you know kind of just dealing with with the gear and figuring out what works and things like that. Um, you know, as as this show comes out, it, it'll be released towards the end of October. Which for some folks, it's already going to be pretty near winter. For other folks, it's, it's winter is going to be coming. Um, but but for those that are, are listening, that are maybe a bit newer to to running or at least newer to the idea of winter running and, and gearing up for what you need to continue running in the wintertime. If you're, if you're anything like me, uh, you know, those that are listening and, and certainly it sounds like you are Steve, like the treadmill is not an option. Like it's just, it's just not an option. I'm, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run outside. And, and as a runner, I'm going to keep running. Um, thankfully down here in Florida, I don't have to deal with uh, the hypothermic, uh, weather. um, if, if I do, there's, there's a lot more serious things going on because the, 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 world would be ending if it, if it got that <laughs> cold down here. um, but for those that are in other climates where winter winter running and, and winter gear and, and, and getting outside in the cold is, is part of the, the process and maybe they're, like I said, newer to the sport or at least newer to that idea, what are some tips, tricks, uh, things that, that have worked for you that, that maybe you can pass on to somebody who's who's kind of new to this whole idea of running in you know December, January uh, in the snow uh, to, to make it enjoyable and, and, and safe and, and all of those ty- types of things as well?
0: i mean a few aspects the the biggest thing that i learned is in terms of layering and and insulation and things like that less is more mm. when, when you're getting out of your vehicle and you're about to start running or if you're running from your house and you're standing outside about to hit your watch you should be cold if you're comfortable at that point you're going to sweat so fast 10k and you are going to be wet and freezing mm-hmm. i've i've Made that mistake quite a few times last winter when I first started out. Um, traction aids are are a beautiful thing. Uh, I prefer using, you know, things like yak tracks that sort of thing, uh, versus spike shoes. Mm-hmm. Just simply, if you are running in town, not on trails, I, I find one minute you're on bare pavement or really hard packed gravel that the traction aids are getting in the way. Mm. But one, two K later, you could be in ankle deep snow or ice. Right. I, uh, so the ability to pop them on and off, because I've learned carbide tip shoes on concrete are wicked slippery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, insulation sleeves on camel pack hoses mm. are a huge thing they definitely help uh after every sip blowing back into the hose helps out but inevitably things are going to freeze things are going to get cold and a little bit of vodka in the camel pack goes a long way
1: <laughs> uh yeah that's that's uh yeah whatever whatever helps keep both the 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 liquid from freezing and uh, maybe keeps the the insides a little bit warmer too i suppose is is a good thing
0: yeah, yeah, definitely not much, really. You, you don't want it to the point of really tasting it, but mm-hmm. it it actually does lower that freezing point significantly.
1: Yeah, and that you know, hey, it's, it's a it's a great a great tip, and and also the idea of blowing blowing back out so there's not fluid in the in the tube. Not something that I would necessarily think of, but makes a whole lot of sense. Um, it may not keep it from freezing completely, but it's going to prevent hopefully a, an ice jam in the tube itself, which is you know the whole pack might as well be frozen at that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a little different. A lot of my winter running and anything basically 50 and under, I'm I'm wearing my orange mud pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm running with two water bottles, but I run with them upside down. Having the water constantly sitting on the valve keeps it from freezing. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Good. Yeah. Not not that I need to know it, but good to, good to know for those that uh, that need to to know that type of information.
0: Yeah, so as long as you remember to close your valve. Right. Yeah, you don't want it dripping down on you. Yeah, been there and that is that is no fun.
1: <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Um wow. So so yeah, so you know, there, there's there's so many things and and I have heard uh said before that uh there's there's no um Jen's gonna kill me because I'm gonna butcher this quote. But basically, there's there's no bad weather. There's improper gear. It sounds like maybe you you kind of subscribe to that as well. Where as long as you've got the right gear, you know, it, no matter how how cold and nasty it gets, you can you can still get out there and go if if that's something that you're interested in doing.
0: Yeah, and you, you'll get to explore the same areas in in a different light. You know, I ran New Year's Day, and we were hovering in minus forty degrees Celsius. There was nobody else out there. It was <laughs> right. amazing. You know, and the, everything sounds different when it's that cold. Your footstep kind of echoes. So it's just peaceful. You know, I, I've ran that trail daily, uh, but it was a completely different ball of wax. Horror, frost on everything. It, it was surreal. It didn't, didn't look real. Mm-hmm. So those are the rare opportunities you get versus hanging out with some sweaty person running like a Clydesdale on a treadmill beside you for two hours.
1: Yeah. No, no thanks for that. I, I, although if it was negative 40, I'd be, I'd be just taking the, uh, the unscheduled day off, but, uh, to, to each their own
0: what's a day off
1: <laughs> spoken like a true ultra endurance athlete, triathlete, all, all that kind of good stuff. Um, Shifting gears, maybe one last time before we start to, to bring this thing in for, for the day here, Steve. Um, one thing I noticed uh, from from doing a little uh, snooping around uh, through through the Orange Mud uh, Facebook group there um, is uh, a conversation from I don't remember exactly how back it how far back it was, but it was it was it caught my eye because it, uh, it, it if if memory serves, uh, you were talking about being mostly a, a fat adapted type of athlete, going you know whether it's keto paleo whatever label you want to put on it, um, being a, a fairly low carb uh, type of, of runner. It's something that I've been, been doing for, for a while now. And I feel like I'm finally at that point where I'm starting to, um, see that it's, it's working, you know, like my body's finally adapted and, and things like that. I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, haven't lost anything from, from back in the, the, you know, the carb heavier days. Uh, but, uh, curious if, if you're, if you are still doing that and if so, how did you, how, how are, how is it working for you? I must be, must be working well if you're still doing it, I guess.
0: Uh, so for, for me, nutrition has been an evolution, um, both performance-wise and uh, just with some of my own decisions, I actually don't eat meat anymore. Okay. Um, so that's that's been been a turn over the last few months. Um, a lot of it more had to do with a di- digestion type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very sensitive stomach, mm-hmm. um, so I found myself eating bigger meals uh, just kind of took too long for me. Gotcha. Um being fat adapted was a huge performance booster for me. Uh, I found, it, honestly, it probably took about six weeks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they, they were a rough six weeks. I really started to doubt, uh, not necessarily the way I was eating. I didn't quite correlate it at the time, but more of just how, how I was performing. I definitely took a pretty significant dive in my pace. Mm-hmm. Um Start about two weeks after it started to increase, but it, it definitely took about a month, month and a half before I felt dialed in. It was a it was a pretty drastic, I guess, lifestyle change in mm-hmm. some ways, but I have a, a few friends that I train with that are still doing it. I, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're eating natural food,
2: mm-hmm.
0: just elementary non-processed food that's the way to go and so much of that is found in you know the paleo primal keto what however you want to call it that's uh that's definitely beneficial
1: yeah and, and I, I mean I, I think that that ultimately is is the secret or i don't know if it's a secret but it's it's you know it's it's getting as as unrefined as you can with with whatever food choices you're making of course we all have to find what what works best for us from a from a you know performance standpoint, from a health standpoint, making sure you're getting, you know, plenty of fruits and vegetables, which I think is something that is easy to, um, doesn't get talked about as much maybe especially on, on the the headlines of the the primal paleo uh keto type of thing is that it's not that you're just eating bacon all the time it's it, you you should be eating a whole heck of a lot of fruits and vegetables it's it's getting rid of the the processed grains and carbs and things like that so like you said it's it's been an evolution uh, are you still in fat adapted zone but just not eating meat or or just just cuz i'm curious how, how that evolution has continued for you
0: i i'm not as as diligent I, I wish I could um I am definitely still I, I guess you could say really as low carb as you could be while not eating meat obviously you know the things I have to eat to make up for the proteins and that sort of thing are, are a bit different mm-hmm. um but you know I I still try to mean that or remain in that kind of mindset and that focus um you know and and just seeing the benefits of other people as well. You know, the one thing that I, I struggled with myself was race day, mm-hmm. eating that way. And a lot of people think that if they have any sort of carb or sugar on race day, they're going to destroy everything. Right. So I, I've been out on the trail almost every race and seen people that this is their first season, that they're doing the keto thing. And they, they just bonk and blow up. Because they're they're trying to take things that, you know, are way too slow to digest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, where where they'd used to take a gel, they're literally carrying around bacon wrapped in paper towel. <laughs> right. And, I mean, the the time frame your body will digest that is completely different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I I think people who are going to eat that way, I think that's fantastic. But I think you need to be a little more open on race day nutrition right. and actually look at, you know, the pro athletes that are eating that way, what they're actually eating on race day. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Well, and and from my experience, and, and, and uh, you can tell me if this parallels to yours a little bit as well, but, um, you know, it's one thing to be f- primarily, you know, fat adapted um, in training because you're not at least I don't push this. Like I, you know, part of, part of my whole and and people that have been listening for, for the last year know that, I mean, I kind of went down the, the experiment on myself route uh, in December of, of last year, December of 2017 of I'm going to go with the, the, the primal, primal endurance basically so so heart rate training almost exclusively and and the low fat or the high fat low carb type of of diet and those two work well together but on race day like you're you're going so you know it's it's okay to have some carbs like yeah i I mean i i've never been a gel guy but i'll i'll still use some of the tailwind or some other types of of things like that some gatorade whatever um on race day because you're burning hard but you know most of the time and, and and it doesn't it doesn't cause a big a big crash you need some of that extra extra little bit of of uh, sugar on race day to to keep you going a bit, you know, at that higher intensity. But for the rest of the time, you know, like I do most of my, I do almost every other run fasted, like even, even long marathon training type of runs, like pretty much completely fasted just with some water. Um, because you know, my, my body knows how to burn the the fat. So it's, it's that difference, I think, and that we get so caught up in the dogma and this isn't just diet related, but this this could be everything related, um, of everything has to be black and white. And, and there's a difference, like you said, between, race day and your training runs as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, you have to decide which is more important for you. Mm -hmm. You Yeah. I, I really try to, to be flexible with myself now and not so militant. Right. Because I'm the same way. I, I, when I was doing build up for my last race, I had a 20 K run and I ended up eating a couple of, uh, kind of homemade fruit bars. The next day I did a 30 K with nothing but water. Mm -hmm. Just, That's just how I felt and kept rolling with it. But, you know, I I do see a lot of people at races who are actually, you know, they finish and they're right to the outhouse Mm -hmm. using a a test strip. Right. Oh, that's ridiculous. You're you're in ketosis. (laughs) Right. You made it. Right. You know, I I think we just box ourselves in too much and, and we end up losing. I'd rather eat. You know, I'm not a big, sweet guy, but if I had to, I'd rather take a gel than not finish. Right you right. worrying about ketosis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, and, and, you know, and, and again, I mean, if, if you, if you're that, if you're that, uh, worked up about it or worried about it, whatever we say probably isn't going to make any difference, but you know, like even if you, you took that gel and now you're out of ketosis, well, guess what? Like you're going to get back in it in the next, the next day or two after the race. If, if you're going to, if you're that worried about it, you're going to, your, your diet's not going to not have a bunch of carbs in it right after the race. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be fine. Like our bodies are adaptable. Like they, they'll, they'll come back. It's not a big deal.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's you know, it's an overall kind of, kind of story or novel how you treat your body. Not, don't worry about it so much. One page at a time. Right. You know, or, or people will, be amazingly diligent through a race and then, hit the finish line and pound a couple beers in. Right. Like right. well, you, you did the same thing, but you, you added a whole torturous <laughs> element to yourself.
1: You right. Know? Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just, and it's, it, you know, at the end of the day it comes down to each person and, and, and being willing to, to, try a few different things and, and, um, you know, almost going back to, to not almost actually going, going right back to what you said earlier about, you know, you learn from each, each situation. So maybe you're militant one time and, and it doesn't, uh, the, the recovery process is really brutal. So the next time maybe you try that gel or, or some Gatorade or something that has a little bit of, of sugar in it before, you know, before you hit the wall or before you, you push too far. And maybe that makes the recovery process go a bit easier. So you learn and, and adjust and, and always try to figure out ways to improve for the next event.
0: Exactly. I, You know, I have huge respect for people that are passionate about things and, and run with it. And like you said, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I, I have a severe nut allergy. So that completely skews, right. you know, what's available. You know, a, a lot of paleo, primal things, I can't even eat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we all digest things differently. We all bring different things in, but uh, it's, you know... Dived is a lot like gear, Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for people not to get on bandwagons. Mm -hmm. You know, they're running in shoes that are clearly not working for them, but Hey, that brand is awesome. My friends (laughs) run with that brand and and my friend does marathons all the time. So, so they have to be good
1: shoes. Right. And it's so short sighted. Yeah, exactly.
0: We, we tend to pigeonhole ourselves and and follow trends, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a hard lesson to learn.
1: Certainly. One last question on on the diet front, um, and, and thankfully, it's not something that I have to worry about. I, I don't have uh, the the sensitive stomach that a lot of folks have, like you said that you have. Uh, I can I can more or less. You know, I, I know a few things that I should probably avoid on race day, but for the most part, I know I, I can get away with with a variety of, of different types of fuel sources or whatever on, on race day or the day before or whatever. But, but for somebody in your situation, like you said, a pretty sensitive stomach, uh, kind of, kind of have some, some, maybe some GI issues, especially with some allergies and things like that. Um, what works, what tends to work for you for, for fueling on race day for, maybe that would be a good idea for somebody else to try if they kind of are in a similar boat of having a pretty, uh, pretty sensitive and reactive stomach when it comes to adding fuel during a race.
0: I, I think for me, just keeping things as simple ingredient-wise as possible. Um, it, but I, I always try to have the backup stuff. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll have, you know, homemade rice balls um, have been good for me the past couple races. Uh, ramen's okay, but fruit always works as long as it's not acidic, mm-hmm. like pineapple. Something like that is a little rough. Right. Um, and then, you know, we always have the staples that, you know work hit and miss pickles in the ultra community i I think are the holy grail (laughs) Uh, uh, chips can go a long way Mm -hmm. you know again just watching the flavoring like i if i eat barbecue or salt and vinegar chips i might be in for a bit of a rough ride right um but yeah just i i eat the same way at a race that i try to normally Mm. and I, i think that's another struggle that people have they treat themselves like a a garbage bin on race day because mm-hmm. they're racing they're suddenly eating you know four chocolate bars and a gel every half an hour right. to 45 minutes and then they're having you know some sort of electrolyte mix and you're like man you're pounding in like four or five hundred calories your body can only take in what 200 calories
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you've had two liters of water between <laughs> aid stations like yeah. Wow, you could you could never do that sitting at your desk, and you were actually running with it. So, you know, I've made that mistake. I've overhydrated. I've overate. So it, I think we just panic. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We think we're not going to have enough fuel. Right. You know, part of that's just the media thing, right? Of course, companies want you to think that, Mm -hmm. so they're like, well, every half an hour you need a gel or you need a bar and you've just spent another 50 bucks on race day
1: on <laughs> on, on right.
0: artificial stuff so again been there learned that the hard way
1: mm-hmm. well and, and and shoot going back to what you said earlier about the reason to the reason that you got a coach was you know to kind of take some of that decision-making and and trying to do all of the things and all of the research out of, you know, off of your plate. Um, it it can be the same thing with, with the nutrition is, you know, this article says this and this article says this and my friend says that. And so, you know, that's where you get into that situation of of having way too much and, and your body can't process it all. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, too much of a good thing is in that situation. Certainly, uh, not, not a very good thing at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think honestly, having a coach saved me probably two or three seasons of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I initially met with him, uh, what I ended up saying was, "I'm going to hire you to coach me to this one race. Mm-hmm. We're going to try an experiment." Right. <clears throat> and then he we dialed in the nutrition a bit, but definitely dialed in my training, that sort of thing. Um, we didn't work out together. It was just a running plan with a couple of uh, phone calls, few emails, couple visits, mm-hmm. uh, more worried about my form, injuries, that sort of thing. And uh, it was night and day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a massive confidence builder. Right. Because uh, I know myself, you know, the night before towing the line, I'm not sleeping typically. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting there twirling my thumbs. <laughs> and you're going, that Wednesday, I really didn't run as hard as I should. Right. Or... Ah. I wonder if I swam too much this week, right? Then you suddenly, you're like, mm, my ankle's starting to ache, mm-hmm. my shoulder's starting to ache. I found it really took those worries away. So spending, you know, at that point, I spent 140 bucks for a couple of weeks training plan, a couple of visits, well worth it. Mm-hmm. I probably saved that in gels and
2: <laughs> right.
0: stuff anyway. So yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't recommend that enough. Just finding, finding a good local coach, mm-hmm. not one online. I tried that and that didn't work for me. Just generic plans were all so different.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I do most of my coaching online, so don't don't dog it too much. But uh, it's, but it, again, I mean, just like anything, you can have a, a good in person coach and you can have yep. th- th- there's some that that aren't as good and, and you like online there's some that just phone in here's a plan follow it and then there's the, the ones that i like to think that i'm in the, the higher echelon where it's like it, it's just as much communication and back and forth and tweaking and adjusting as it would be if we lived across town from each other um we just happen to live across the country from each other but but you know technology you know just like we're talking today it, it can work but again it's it's finding what works for you. Some people need that in-person accountability. Some people having that guidance and and knowing that they can, Hey, can we jump on the phone? Can you shoot me a text? Like I have this question. That's, that's enough of that as well. So it's, it's, it's the right thing for the right person.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like you said, those are two different categories. My, the one that I signed up for was generic. We'll say, you entered your distance, you entered your age, you entered your pace and, here you and go. then you just, this is all you, then need. you got this plan. <laughs> right. Right. And it didn't account for anything else that I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, even things like I do travel for work. My coach mm-hmm. factors that in.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. As, as, as he or she should, cause it's yeah. it's a, it's a stress on the life. It's a change in, in the, the system. Like, like that's certainly part of, of what needs to go into creating the right plan for you, which is what it's all about.
0: Exactly. You know, and it, and it helps out you know what? What resources do you have available in that city you're going to? Right for me, not going to the gym other than to swim, not being a treadmill guy, I have a lot more, a lot more open things to me. I can run anywhere.
2: Right.
0: Um, but yeah, it's that support network has been huge. And and we all have low moments. You know, personal things happen, things like that. You know, uh, I found my coach actually reached out to me. Or things like, I struggle with the post-race blues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how I do in the race, the week after it can be pretty rough. So having a coach that knows that, right? Right. my training changes. I My training plan a week after, you know, after the rest days, is all the fun stuff that I like to do. Right. And I know he's doing it on purpose, mm-hmm. right? I'm going for a, a 5K trail run or a 20 K bike or a, or a fun swim, you know, at this place or that place. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a life lifestyle change, you know, in my training in a huge positive way. Right.
1: Well, that's, that's, that's great. And and certainly glad that you found the, the right coach for you. And, and, um, you know, and, and it's obviously working and, and, and certainly, you know, hope that that trend continues. So as, uh, as we're wrapping up here, Steve, the the way I like to to end the conversations is with uh, something I call a philosophical question, which can sometimes sound a bit scary, but it's it's certainly not designed to be that it's just kind of like the, the introductory question it's open-ended you can, you can take it whichever direction you want to go with it. Um, And, and, you know, this is where we'll kind of put it, put a bow on things officially for today. But uh, I, I just be curious, you know, at this point being, you know, a couple of years kind of back into the sport and really, really kind of being all in on it and, and, and enjoying it and, and continuing to push boundaries and setting some big goals. Uh, I just be curious, what, what, does, what does it mean to you to be classified as, as a runner? So like, if, you know, if, if, if I was introducing a a, 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 friend of mine to you for the first time, and said, hey, there's, there's Steve, there's a, a runner. What would you hope that that label portrays about you that, that yes, I am a, I'm a runner. And that means what?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a hard I don't look at myself as an athlete. I I kind of struggle with with that whole title. To me, athletes are, you know, elite people out there pounding it day after day, winning races. That sort of scenario. Um, you know, I guess I look at being called a runner the same as an athlete. You know, hopefully hopefully it just you know correlates me to a guy hitting the trails for an adventure who's you know has a good time you know if you want if you want somebody goofy to run and laugh with that's that's pretty well me i might be out there for longer people or then long most people but uh yeah it's just all about having a good time for me taking in the outdoors taking in pictures you know whatever i can see Mm -hmm. i see
1: I love it. I love it, and that's you know that's uh, nothing nothing wrong with that answer at all. So that's and that's why I love these philosophical questions at the end because they're always just a, a great place to 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 a nice little nugget to leave people with. So uh, that's that's exactly what we'll do. Once again, guys, disruns.com dot com slash six three eight. Is the link back to the show notes uh, at Ultras Running U L T R A S R U N N I N G on the Instagram? Uh, and like Steve says, he likes to, to stop and, and take smell some roses, take some pictures while he's out there. So you can you can see a lot of those photos on his Instagram feed if you go ahead and give him a follow at Ultras Running. Uh, Steve, thanks thanks again for uh, for taking the time today. Um, lots of, I, I feel like we were all over the place, but hopefully it was in a, in a way that made sense and, and a lot of of fun things to talk about. Uh, and certainly you know wishing you nothing but the best. Stay stay warm this winter up there in, uh, in Alberta um, and uh, somewhere down the line, maybe we'll do this again, especially as uh, that Iditarod thing comes a bit closer. It'd be uh, fun to see how that, that journey progresses. So uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best and uh, have a, have a great, uh, great rest of the year and, and a, a good start to, uh, to the new year in a, in a few months.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
1: All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope that you enjoyed this conversation today between Steve and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that uh, we talked about today that really kind of stuck with you or, or made you go back and hit hit rewind and listen to it again? Uh, what, was, what was your big takeaway? For me, it came when we were talking about uh, winter running and, and winter gear, And uh, Steve mentioned that uh, when it comes to gear for running less is more, that you want to be cold while you're getting ready to start so that once you start moving, once you start generating body heat, you don't start to overheat because you were overdressed at the start. So, you know, having a couple layers, probably good. Having too many layers, not so good. Less is more when it comes to your apparel uh, choices sometimes, and and that really registered to me. Not because I need to worry too much about having too many layers uh, while running down here in Florida in the winter time, but just in general, the idea of less is more is something that I think that we tend to overlook. And and it's, as runners, I think we tend to overlook it when it comes to mileage, when it comes to speed work, when it comes to just a variety of aspects of our training where where we think that more is better more miles is going to make us a better runner more speed work is going to make us faster pushing the pace is what we need to do and uh it's not not always the case not always the case i think in a lot of aspects or at least you know as far as i go when it works with when i work with myself as you know when i'm when i'm worried about my own training when i'm worried about my athletes it tends to be that the less is more to a point is is better you know making sure we get more quality than quantity. Yes, you need to have a certain number of miles. And for every every runner, that's going to be different depending on, on what your race goals are, what your experience is, what your current level of fitness is, where you are in the training cycle. There's a lot of variables that go into how many miles you could slash should be running. But it's not always more. More isn't always the merrier. It's not always the case of, of just add more to it, and that's going to solve your problem. Again, a lot of times, it's actually what can we do to make sure that the miles we're getting are more quality? What can we do to make sure that, that our easy runs are actually easy, that we're not pushing too hard on those runs so that when we go hard, whether it's on race day, whether it's for a speed workout, whether it's a tempo run, whether it's a fast finish, long run, whatever it is by going easy on your easy runs, you're really able to to hit the hammer on those harder runs, really able to push yourself to, to the, to the desired level and get the most out of that run as well. So, it, the, the whole idea of less is more, um, just is something that that really hit me. You know, the 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 idea of racing all the time. Maybe maybe have a few less races on the calendar, but really prepare for them well and focus for them and and make it a big deal as opposed to you know having a race every weekend or something like that. Like I know some of you do that. I know some of you do that. Um, just less is more. Less is more. Yes, there's a certain amount that's required. Yes, you need a certain number of layers and you know depend on what the temperature is or you need the right the right quality of gear things like that but you don't always need more sometimes quality trumps quantity and in fact a lot of times tr- quality trumps quantity so that was that was my takeaway when it comes to miles when it comes to gear when it comes to races when it comes to whatever sometimes not all the time but sometimes less can be more that was my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet at Dizruns. Shoot me an email. Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for this episode, which you can find at disruns.com slash six three eight for photos, links, and the whole nine yards. And you can also leave your comments, thoughts, feedbacks, takeaways, and whatever else right there on, in the comment section in the show notes. com slash six. Three, eight. And with that, that's where we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up for today. Don't forget, if you want to get a kickstart on 2019, start working with me now, as opposed to waiting until after the new year, so we can start planting, firming up that foundation and really have you ready to take off when the new year starts. Disruns.com slash coaching is the link to the page on the website with all of the coaching information. And uh, you can find out more about the coterie, about one-to-one coaching, about just working with me for a training plan, or maybe just sign up for a consult call. You can get on the phone, Chat through a little bit of something, get your get your mind right, help you work through a problem, work through a struggle, maybe have a help develop a plan for your next race or your next training cycle, whatever it is, all those options are there. Price points are listed. I'm not trying to be sneaky about anything. It's all right there. You can make those decisions and if you have any questions, let me know, or like I said earlier, search for Diz Runners on all things social media and you will find some of my athletes and you can ask them whatever questions they that you have and they will give you their honest answers and not, not try to just give you the company line or anything like that. They'll answer you honestly. You can trust what they have to say. Good, bad, and indifferent. So Diz Runners on all things social. Check them out. Get those, get those questions answered. And if you're ready to get started, just let me know. So with that, now it's officially time to pull this ship into the harbor. Call it a day. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode as always. Uh, and until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thank you again for listening. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, all right? Take care, guys.